Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. ...accidentally left in the rear seat. It's innovative technology that helps make every family outing safer. Lease the 2021 Santa Fe for $199 a month for 36 months with $35.99 due at signing or get $1,000 in savings. See your local Hyundai dealer today. Offers end June 1st, 2021. Call 224-661-0068 for details. Amco Transmissions and Total Car Care has been serving the Chicago area for over 50 years. Our expert technicians can accurately diagnose all your car care needs. We'll fix it right and back it with our nationwide warranty honored at over 600 Amco centers. And if cash is tight, we can offer up to 12 months of no interest financing and easy payment plans, even if your credit is less than perfect. In fact, more than half the cars we service don't need major repairs. So dial 1-800-GO-AMCO or search AAMCO. That's AMCO, double A. MCO. Hey, it's David Haw, and I'm excited to see how my yard responds to my customized lawn care plan from Sunday. So far, so good, with those pesky brown patches filling in nicely. You could see your own lawn thrive this spring with your own personalized lawn plan from Sunday. Sunday is more than just another lawn care product. It is a customized lawn care plan with a variety of ways to help you grow a beautiful lawn, control weeds, and remove pests. Sunday takes out all of the guesswork and the unwanted chemicals so you can grow a beautiful lawn that's better for people, pets, and the planet. What I liked best was how I sent in a soil sample from my yard. They analyzed it. They returned instructions for how to treat my own lawn, a personalized lawn, not just any lawn, mine. You can do it too. Just go to GetSunday.com, put in your home address, and their free lawn analysis tool takes care of the rest all in just seconds. Sunday explains exactly what you get and why and sends you everything you need. All I had to do was attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. Nature does the rest. So let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn. Visit GetSunday.com score to get $20 off your customized lawn care plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com. Mmm, Grandma, delicious. No one makes borscht like you. Ah, thanks, you junior. Now use phone and take picture of Grandma. Uh, okay, why? So you remember Grandma when she famous and move away. Wait, move? Grandma want to share secret Lithuanian dishes on Interpol cooking show. Excuse me? What people's watch on computer. Oh, you mean internet, social media? Yeah, but Grandma no nice kitchen, so need move to big, beautiful kitchen. Grandma, don't move. Talk to First American Bank. First American Bank? Yeah, with First American, you can update your kitchen with a home equity loan or home equity line of credit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, First American has the best loan deals in town with great rates, no application fees. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you can get your dream kitchen with First American's help. Oh, thanks, Junior. Grandma no forget you when she is big. You be too big. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. First American Bank, the bank that does more for your money. Visit firstambank.com. Call us at 847-952-3700. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. 
As a dentist, I know what my patients are saying. Mm-hmm. She says her gums are irritated. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can do? You can try New Crest Advanced Gum Restore. It detoxifies below the gum line to restore your gums back to health in just seven days. Navian Tankless Water Heaters, the proven leader in condensing technology. Request a Navian because you deserve the best in endless hot water delivery. Learn about Navian's condensing tankless water heaters and find a Navian contractor at tanklessmadesimple.com. This is the official radio home of the Chicago Cubs. Listen to every game here. Bodie cracks one in the air, left field and deep. This ball's at the wall. It's got a chance. Home run for Bodie. On Sports Radio 670, the score. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The score. Here's a drive into the right field corner. Going back is Soto near the wall. That ball is going to be a home run. A home run for Ian Happ. Into the basket. Cubs lead 3-2. Here comes the 0-2. Happ hits one in the air. To deep left center field. Going back is Stevenson. He looks up. This is gone. Number two on the afternoon for Happ. And the Cubs extend the lead. 5-2 over the Nationals here in the fifth. If I can keep putting them in the basket, I'll be all right. Uh, I think the uh, just we got some some good win the last couple of days, and uh, finally some of those balls in the air started to leave the yard, and that's kind of the goal. I was hitting a couple too many balls on the ground, and uh, once you start getting them in the air, you got a chance. on the score along with Anthony Heron. I'm Mark Grody. We are here for one more hour and we plan to talk a lot of baseball in the next 60 minutes. Yeah, Cubs win. Today beat the Nationals 5-2 is heard right here on 670. The score, Pat Hughes on the call. Zach Zabin doing it as well, getting to call a couple of Ian Happ home runs. He had the biggie was in the third inning, the first one that you heard, a two-run shot, and that was ultimately the, the go-ahead game-winning hit for the Cubs, put the Cubs up 3-2, to two, and then he has the solo show in the fifth inning. And very quietly, Anthony Heron, while well, nobody was paying attention because the White Sox have been so loud with everything, <laughs> and the Bears are loud whenever they want to be. Cubs won three out of four from the Washington Nationals and, you know, a, a semi-emotional series with uh, with the reunion of John Lester and Kyle Schwarber. That Cubs win today to take three out of four and are now... 22 and 21 so i don't know big ant i still don't know what the cubs are yeah i think the um there are some similarities things kind of parallel a little bit on the the north side of the baseball scene here in town to who knows where the bears are going to find themselves because there there is that discussion that you and i were having basically for the first two hours of our time together here tonight of you know, development versus win now. And there's a little bit of that standpoint from the Cubs of, you know, rebuild versus success now. And, and what are they really trying to do? Because they, they've got assets that we've all been anticipating that they want to continue to unload and they haven't, haven't reached any sort of long-term deal with Chris Bryant, of course. And so it's, there, there's a lot of positives to Chris Bryant playing at a really high level and the, the better and better that Javi Baez plays and Wilson Cone, Trares and all that. So it's good, but 
it, it could be tinged with just a, a bit of apprehension because winning games means that you're still in a, in a poor division in the NL Central. You're still going to be in the hunt as you win games. You don't even have to win a whole lot of games. You're just going to be in the hunt just by sort of muttering around 500 as they've done so far. But the further they are out of the legitimate race, then it won't feel as bad whenever they start to make some more of these these transactions that, that a lot of us are anticipating are bound to come at some point before the trade deadline. And so Jed Hoyer is going to have and continues to have really a, a really difficult sort of balance with that because it's great to watch Chris Bryant play at a high level. It's nice to see Javi Baez driving the ball out of the park. And you want the value of some of these assets to be high enough where you can get a big return for them. But the better that all these guys plays, the, 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 the more healthy that Rizzo's back can stay and the, the better, the more, the more batters that Contreras throws out at second and the, the better that Chris Bryant plays all over the outfield and the infield and the better power numbers he has and the, the, the less that Javi Baez is striking out. All those things are fun for us to watch and they, may, they mean good things from a win-loss perspective for the Cubs. But in the end, I don't think anybody there over at Wrigley necessarily thinks this is a championship-caliber team that they have here. So with that in mind, that's going to be the balance for Hoyer is to try to, and sort of determine how far out of it do we really need to be where it's going to feel right to be sellers. Because we've all been waiting for them to, to – presumably sell off some more of the assets that are here just doesn't seem like they've necessarily been in as strong a position to do so so you unload schwarber and you you let you darvish go and and john lester can walk and those types of things but we all kind of thought there would be a bigger sell-off this offseason so now guys are doing enough where maybe you can get a bigger return on them but the tough part is still in this thing right now so how do you balance that if you're jed hoyer that you're still in legit contention because guys are playing well enough for you to get something back for them. Right now, St. Louis is in first place in the National League Central. Cubs are in second place, three games back of the Redbirds, against whom the Cubs will play in St. Louis starting tomorrow. Kyle Hendricks against Carlos Martinez in the opener, a three-game series ending with, you know, it's Sunday night baseball. Um, six o'clock start that night on the score. So I guess you can call this a relatively big series. And I'm serious when I'm with what I'm about to say. I think the only way that you don't proceed with your plans that were before the season, which I think I feel a are joke to coming by the way. Attempt you, to you pronounced how serious no. you are. So I, I, I feel like there's going to be something very no. facetious. Well, ready to leave your lips. Well, I, no, it's not going. Okay, I'll just say it. Unless there's like a ten or eleven game winning streak, like something that you just that is undeniable, and that there's something special brewing with this group of Cubs, like an eleven or let you know. And I'm just going to keep going up an eleven or twelve game <laughs> winning streak. Then I think that you then you proceed with your plans that you made prior to the season, which I do believe probably include training trading one or maybe multiple players to do this 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 refining this changing of your core rebuild if you want to say so unless something crazy like that happens like a 10 to 12 game winning streak then i think you do proceed with your plans and i think jed hoyer will proceed with the plans and and 
We know but this how, historically. Man? There have been how, many. Though, bro? What if what if they're like there, a game out of first? You know, you, you go win the win win two out of three well, in St. Louis. Okay, and you're but a here's game the back. thing. Right, but here's the thing, and I think you indicated this. Even if the Cubs won a bad division, is there anybody out there? Raise your hands if you're listening to the score right now. Is there anybody out there who thinks that they could even advance past? one game or one series, I should say, in the postseason. Are they equipped to do that? I don't think they are. And what I was going to say is that we've seen the one-hit wonders from the Cubs throughout, like in my lifetime, from in 84. That was a one-hit wonder because in 85, all their pitchers got injured and they sucked after that. They free-based. And then in 1989, same thing, man. That it was a fun team, and you had you know Jerome Walton and Dwight Smith and Mark Gray, and then all of a sudden Will Clark pummeled the Cubs, hit him over the head in the mm-hmm. postseason in '89, '98. They won the wild card. Man, that, that, those that? are kind Anybody of my earlier baseball that? memories, by the way. Like as much as like I have really vivid memories of my childhood and all like the Pistons players being bad guys and folks slamming Jim McMahon <laughs> yeah. on the ground from the Packers tearing his shoulder up and everything else. Oh, my Charles biggest, Martin, like, villain He's baseball. Dead, by the way, Charles Martin. Really? Is he? Uh, are you? Is that a good thing? Yeah. Mark Brody. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're I, I, I don't know. If I'm to say that, <laughs> we're, no. we're happy that folks have left the face <laughs> of the earth here on the score. I'm, I just wanted no, to get you on the record no, with that. No, but no. like my first baseball villain yeah. is Will Clark. That is my first vivid baseball villain oh. memory. Is Will Clark just lighting the Cubs up like they just could not get him out before Daniel Murphy from a few years ago? It was Will Clark. Oh God, that's hilarious. It, it shows like our age difference, which I think is like five to seven years or something like that. And it, like my first Cubs villain was just before that in 84, it was Steve Garvey because Steve okay. Garvey just beat the crap out of the Cubs in the post when he <laughs> played for the San Diego Padres. But yeah, Will Clark did an absolute number. I mean, basically single-handedly beat the Cubs in that 1989 series. And then there, it was nothing. There was nothing to the Cubs after that, I don't remember what happened to them in 1990. Was that the year they started the year the, the year 0 and 13? Um, and, and you know you can just keep doing this. Like 98, same thing. 2003, sadly, same thing. 2004 was a train wreck. 08 and 09, the you know 07, 08, I should say, the Lou years. I guess you did have obviously multiple you know good seasons, but no playoff wins. And then finally, you you started to get it down in 2015 and 16 and 17 and 18, get to the playoffs. But, like, nobody wants to go back to – that's what I'm afraid this would be, man. This would be a one-hit wonder year. If they were to win the playoffs and they got in because they're in a bad division, what does it mean to do that in this day? And then what, you come, you roll it back next year and you got the same core and you have the same problem. Side note, how did you get through mentioning Lou Pinella's name without doing an impression? <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to hear about it. You 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 saw the damn game. We got we 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 got swept by Arizona, and 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 then we got swept by the Dodgers, okay. and and Manny Ramirez, right. and that's all you need to know. Yeah, there that's what everybody's waiting for. Um, you, you don't go. Mark Grody doesn't go mentioning Lou Pinella without doing an impression. <laughs> I was on a roll, man. I could. I didn't want to stop. I, feel I didn't you. want to interrupt myself. But, uh, but <laughs> Ryan Terry, he, he he's too short to play that position. And DeRosa, he he can play anywhere. I like DeRosa. He's good. Peter, what? Mark DeRosa, sir. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lou was the best. I'm Lou proud of was... him because you, you were on a sports take roll and you wanted to keep the roll going and not just divert yourself with a Lou Piniella impression. So I apologize for diverting but you we got there. down that road. No, yes, that's okay. Hey, yes. uh, Anthony, I always take requests when it comes to impersonations. You know what I mean? <laughs> like sometimes I try not to pour it on too heavy. To people, uh-huh. the people want, if right. that's what the people want. I try to give the people what they want, mm. but uh, but what I really want, what I really want, is for the Cubs to make a move, make a real but move. Seriously, but how do they, I don't know. How do they do that you... though? Like if you if you're competing within within a very porous division, so St. Louis is doing them no favors this year because they're not awful, and and Milwaukee is doing them no favors this year because they're not awful enough. Like, they're, they're just bad enough where everybody's just there middling around mediocre. It would be great if St. Louis was excellent this year, if Milwaukee was excellent this year, and they're not. And so everybody just gets to sit around and watch the Cubs certainly not be excellent, but not be awful. Whereas I think Jed Horner would be in a much easier position if Chris Bryant was lighting it up and, and you know, maybe Javi Baez is lighting it up too but then they're just losing a bunch of games because these other teams are legitimately good, and that's not the position he's in. So just think, like, if they, what if they're winning, if they're leading the division and the trade deadline is approaching and he still is in the position where he's got an ownership group that wants him to unload some cash and he's got these assets that he's not going to be able to have much longer because they don't want to pay Chris Bryant long-term money, not the kind of long-term money Chris Bryant feels he deserves, and Wilson Contreras is going to be gone in a couple of years. We don't think that, well, they don't have a deal done yet. So that certainly indicates that they don't agree on the terms right now. So at the moment, they don't want to pay, pay Chris Bryant what he thinks he deserves. At the moment, they haven't agreed to anything long-term with Javi Baez. At the moment, we still see Anthony Rizzo still has that rickety back and Rizzo called off negotiations. So you got a lot of guys who are going to anticipate big money from somebody, whether it's here in Chicago or whether it's somewhere else, by the time the offseason hits. So some big decisions will have to be made by the trade deadline on this core that's been in place for so long. So the value of the core may be more outside of Chicago than it is in Chicago. Who knows for sure, aside from, I suppose, their representatives and whatever other teams might be sending private overtures. But for Jed Hoyer, if they're doing enough to have this team around first place, or who knows, man, a few days from now, maybe they're in first place. By the time we get through the weekend, you think he's going to be able to just start Trading these assets from a first place team? If they're if they're up like five or six games, and I think it becomes tricky. But even if they're up one game or, or even two, I still think like if you were to like if you really looked at it, because this is this is not unprecedented. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. like in baseball, right. teams hell hell the the famous white flag trade by the the Chicago White Sox way back when when they were within striking distance, what, two or three games back, and they started trading some of their big pieces. Um, I remember the Pirates doing something similar back in 2016 when the Cubs were the runaway team, and, and actually the Pirates got made it close towards the All-Star break, and then all of a sudden they traded Mark Melanson, and we're all like, what the hell? I mean, like he was this <laughs> terrific closer at the time. But the Pirates had decided that that's it with this core, you know, the, the, the Andrew McCutcheon core, I guess I'll call it. They decided that slowly but surely they're like, this, this ain't getting us to the mm-hmm. next level. We're losing the damn one card wild game every year. It's not getting us to where we want to go. 
I just don't know if the roster that exists right now, even if the Cubs were to end up being the best team in this division, I still don't think there's sustained success there. But it sounds like you're right. of the school, and I, and, I, and I wonder if some of our listeners are too, if they're of the school of you've got to have sustained success no matter what. That's what I'm saying. And I think you're saying that every season is to be cherished, that if you have – a chance you roll the dice and you think well, anything could happen in the postseason. Am I am I reading that right from your standpoint? No, I, I wouldn't go that far. But the point I'm making is that I don't I don't think this is an automatic decision or, or an easy decision for Jed Hoyer. And it's not simply just through the vacuum of this year, but in my mind, because you know Jed was obviously here with Theo as they constructed this entire thing and had such high hopes for what the ceiling of this Cup franchise would be with all the talent that they amass, both. In, in, you know, in, in the lineup and then going out and buying some starting pitching and everything that came together for that one World Series championship and appearance. And so I do believe, and, you know, so Theo's gone now, and so that's one sort of white flag. We'll, you know, we'll kind of keep that, that white flag metaphor going here. But coming into this season, the expectation was that they were going to be bad. And then they didn't unload as many folks as we kind of thought they would. And so they're not nearly as bad as we thought. And then the division is just as bad as we thought. And now here they are where they've had this, this, this recent history of being unrequited for this mass of talent that they put together, this core that was in place that as good as they were in the postseason didn't achieve the consistency of heights that we thought they would get because of that initial World Series. My impression is that Jed still feels that. Jed still recognizes that, and I do believe it'll make the decisions to unload a winning team that much more difficult. In the end, just through the the intellectual side of his brain, I think it's going to still happen unless, like you're referencing, unless there's just something magnificent, you know, 10-game win streak and they're way up or something like that. So I do think in the end it'll still happen where it, you know, he'll unload the talent that's there and, and get big returns if they're continuing to play well, especially a guy like Chris Bryant. But I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be easy because there, there's so much investment emotionally, financially, you know, the, the, the fan base investment in it as well that's tied up in some of these key members that are still here at the moment. And so to see them excised, to see the, the transaction of them no longer being in a Cubs uniform while they are still winning, I think that's going to be a difficult thing for Jed to do because the fan reaction associated with it will probably not be a positive thing because they're just not as bad as some folks were worried about. I want to react to that because that's interesting, the, the fan aspect of this. So we'll continue on this question of what are the Cubs and what do you do going forward if they're good, if they're close. I also want to give my thoughts on – John Lester and Kyle Schwarber in this yeah. little mini reunion thing that was going down at Wrigley Field. And your calls. I see that we got a couple people waiting, so we'll try to get to some calls, too, at 312-644-6767. Anthony Heron, Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. It's been a lot of fun to watch us hit. I think that um, it's probably a good lesson. Like We will have at some point this summer another slump like we had before that's just baseball and i think that we happen to have our a cold streak at the beginning beginning of the season i think that always uh, heightens everyone's awareness about it you know when you do so i do think some of that was 
was randomness. But I also think that, you know, one of the things that's been really fun to see um, is that I think, you know, we've been putting the ball in play more. I think that's been a challenge for us, you know, over historically with, you know, striking out and like relying too much on, on homers to, to score and, you know, homers are great, but you, you have to have more than one, you know, club in your bag as far as scoring runs. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, Duffy and Sogard and Nico um, have given sort of a, uh, a different aspect of this offense than we've had the last couple of years. So I think that's been really helpful. Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer talking right there. Mark Grody, Anthony Heron with you here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score some timely hitting for the Cubs today in a 5-2 win over the Nationals. Ian Happ with the go-ahead two-run shot. Put the Cubs up 3-2 in the third inning. Jock Peterson making it feel better with a, with a two-out RBI hit in the fourth. He's not hitting the ball over the wall, Jock Peterson, but he is hitting it hard and to all fields right now. Some good relief pitching, particularly from... Justin Steele, big strikeout of Josh Bell with two outs, and the Cubs protecting a uh, two-run lead, and then he hurt his hamstring. Ryan Tapera was very good today, Andrew Chafin, and then the amazing Craig Kimbrell, who you just feel really good when the when David Ross hands the ball to Kimbrell at any point in time this year. 3-1-2-6-44-67-67 is the number. Anthony, let's go to Brad in Gardner, Illinois. Hi, Brad, you're on the score. Grody, how's it going, man? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm good. Big Ant Heron, first time talking to you. Um, few points. Um, Grody, I want to ask you, when was the last time KB played third? Hmm. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. He's been playing a ton of outfield. I would say, I guess, off the top of my head, I would guess a couple weeks ago, maybe? I believe April 21st. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm the exact date, but I believe it's that. Now, my next question, when was the last time, pitching notwithstanding, because it doesn't count, when was the last time Rizzo played anywhere but first? All right. This is, by the way, this is your last when was the last time question, just so you know. I got. I have to cut you off right there. When was the last time Rizzo played anywhere other than first base? I'm guessing he is. He he's pitched, and the, but that was funny. So I guess it was whatever that that game was the, where the Cubs were getting blown out, and they had Anthony. But he Rizzo was paying people up. Nobody hit a home run for well, Rizzo. When he he struck pitching. out Freddie Free, Freeman. That's right. That's right. Does, does that? Am I right? Did I get that one right? That is true. So who would you okay. value more going forward, Rizzo or Bryant? Well, I mean, the way things have gone this season, a hundred percent, Chris Bryant. If this is really like, if Chris Bryant truly is back, like without a doubt, KB. Before the season started, even with with all the last time questions there, I would have said Anthony Rizzo. But but if KB truly is this, if he truly is back, and I guess there's no reason to not believe it, then of course Chris Bryant. Okay, so my next thing is, why not take an outlook like the 2016 Yankees did at the trade deadline? You don't have to blow it all up. You can make competitive trades. You can package Javi with, I don't know, Kimbrel and get a decent Okay, that, that's kind of blowing it up, though. That's kind of blowing <laughs> it up. Because you got, you got Nico, you got Duffy. You have a bunch of interchangeable guys. Okay, play. interchangeable guys don't don't a core make. I'm sorry, but it rebuilds your farm system at the same time. 
by what? Tra- you talking about trading Nico Horner to rebuild your farm system? I'm not. Now I'm not following you. No, no, no. I'm saying you trade Javi and Kimbrel as a package. You get some good package back. You, you're not going to win a World Series this year, regardless. Fans are still going to show up because as soon as the pandemic is almost gone and everybody's at 100 percent, fans are going to show up whether the Cubs are winning or losing. And you and I both know that. So why not just rebuild yeah. the system? Well, uh, okay, I think we're kind of agreeing. So I mean, you're you're saying it make a big like trade, kind of being what what some folks might term as half pregnant with with the rebuild. But, then you know, well, like well, yeah, but no, but that, but those would be but those are. Those are big trades. Those are big pieces right there. So I think we actually are on the same page because trading Javier Baez, that'd be a whopper. I mean, I don't care what he hasn't done in the last year and a half. Trading Javier Baez would be massive. And I don't think trading Craig Kimbrell would be massive. I think that we're on the same page there. I mean, that feels like, and I don't know how you feel, Big Ant, that feels like a no-brainer to me. I don't think that, you know, like like you're referencing, Kim, Kimbrell is, is in a different category. He's into his 30s at this point. He's responded well to a, a poor season last year where he's a guy who I think, you know, folks would look at and say, you know what, he can be kind of a key playoff run piece right now, but not necessarily a part of our future. That's a category Kimbrell could fit into for somebody this season because you just never know with a closer from one season to the next, frankly, whether or not they're going to sort of maintain their dominance. That's just how that thing tends to, tends to roll. But I think with, with Javi Baez in particular, you know, he's a guy they could certainly get a big return for. I don't know, though, that, that Javi alone would be the, the final piece as far as we're looking at the core. I don't think necessarily just trading one additional member of the core is what the Cubs would have in mind to sort of fully dive into a, a true rebuild. I think right now you wouldn't necessarily only be looking at Javi or only be looking at Chris Bryant or only be looking at Wilson Contreras. I think you're still likely looking at multiple pieces here that aren't going to see the end of deals that are set to end either after this season or in, in Wilson's case after a couple of seasons from now. So that, that's where I was going to the term half pregnant because I don't know that just unloading Javi out of the, the remainder of what we see as the core I don't know that that's necessarily where things would end for the Cubs. Yeah, but I, I and like that that's not just like us. Like he kind of and then Brad, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it. Uh, he kind of the, the indication from him was that trading Javier Baez is like kind of not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And it is. It is still. It is. it is. I mean, there there's still a world of talent in in Javier Baez. Now it it has been it ran cold last year. It's run hot and cold. Like he he's not full Javier. You know, runner up MVP. What was that now? Three years ago when Three he was ago, yeah. runner up. Yeah. And and now it was in like twenty nineteen like he still had a quality season in twenty nineteen coming off the twenty eighteen runner up MVP year. Still played really well in twenty nineteen, had the gold glove was still really powerful at the plate also. Plenty of strikeouts, but that's apparently just who he's going to be. He's going to string out a, swing out of the strike zone. He's going to have some strikeouts, but he's also going to hit some mammoth home runs and, and do what he does on the base pass and do what he does on the infield and give you that gold, club, gold glove caliber play uh, at shortstop as well. And I, I, I was making this case coming into the year, Grody, and I, I'm wondering for your thoughts on this. As I was comparing 
guys within within the core that remained here, and pretty much the, the four names we're discussing still at this point tonight, Baez, Bryant, Contreras, Rizzo, out of those individuals, which one was this the biggest season for? And to me, the name I came up with mm. was Javi Baez because, in my opinion, for Chris Bryant, I think th- there was a market value that was there for Chris Bryant. That could certainly fluctuate a bit if he put another bad year together, if he put a recovery year together like he's been doing so far here. But I feel like either way, there was a resume that was there from those initial seasons at the major league level and the apparent talent that was still there. But I think there's a market for Chris Bryant that was going to be there regardless, and I didn't necessarily see it fluctuating that much. I think because of some of the injuries and because of – you know, what we've seen with some of the up-and-down productivity and maybe it's seen that Chris Bryant might have plateaued. I, I, st- I don't think he's going to get that, that Bryce Harper contract or even beyond it like some players have gotten as it seemed like he was on the tra- trajectory for. So with that in mind, I don't think it was the biggest season for Chris Bryant out of those individuals. For Anthony Rizzo, his huge contract days are probably behind him. For Wilson Contreras, he's likely to be, if he's going to not be here in Chicago anymore, a trade piece that would still you know, be a guy with some contract control to go elsewhere and see if he could still earn that bigger payday. Javi Baez seemed to me to be the guy who this was the biggest season for him because I think the the perception of Javi Baez still has a, a fairly wide swath between some folks who think he's maybe still the future of the shortstop position and one of the faces of baseball versus some folks who just can't stand the amount of times that he strikes out and think that some of the, the flashiness that maybe leads to a few errors here and there is something they don't necessarily want, you know, to, to be a, such a big part of how he executes or doesn't, you know, sort of lack thereof sometimes. So I thought Javi Baez came in at, as the guy this season who could have the, the biggest gap in what his earning potential would be coming into the season versus what it would be coming out of the season. So out of those four, I felt like coming into the year was the biggest season for Javi Baez. Uh, Which one do you think makes the most sense there? Well, I think that I agree with you that it was Javier Baez, it seemed like, especially considering the shortstop free agent class with which he has to compete. There are some grand names, ones that have passed up Baez in terms of stature over the last year and a half. However, I think Chris Bryant has made made him like if this keeps up for Chris Bryant, assume assuming he doesn't have like a drops off the table or you know hopefully he doesn't have an injury or something like that, he 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 comes into this this thing making the most money because he's back mm-hmm. to being KB. If he's back to MVP and he's top three in the MVP, look out. I mean, he might get one of those crazy contracts. You know, I mean, I I don't think mm-hmm. you. I think you're right. He probably won't get the the Mike Trout or the Bryce Harper or some of these other examples, but he's the one that all of a sudden stands to make the biggest money. But I don't I don't disagree with you on Javier Baez. I mean, it looked like three years ago Baez is, was going to be the franchise piece for the Cubs. Like he was he was going to be the best because he was everything. He had all the tools, and he you know the hitting was coming around, and it looked like he would surpass everybody. But now that's not the case. So I agree with you, but I think it's Bryant that has made the most money during the season. We got a break. When we come back. I, I still want to talk about the fan aspect of this. I know I've teased that a couple of times, but let's let's do that. Um, I also want to talk about the the reunion with John Lester. 
and Kyle Schwarber. And then, Anthony, I, like you, were taking down some of our teammates earlier. I would like to ask you a question about some of our score teams, specifically four of our score teammates that I would like to ask you a question about. So, yep, yep, four of them, four of them. They all happen to work on the same show. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a question for you when we return on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Yeah, I was – I don't know. Thinking of a, a gesture to, uh, yeah, definitely for fun. Uh, yeah, I had about eight or nine pieces of candy in my pocket that whole inning and just left them a present. Um, you know, we were, we were talking about bringing them a Miller light, but that'd probably be frowned upon, um, you know, here, uh, but no, I just, no, I, I love Schwartz. I, I love Lester. It was a really cool day to see them and just see them doing their thing and, letting them know that they're really missed over here. And um, I'm <laughs> just glad someone kind of caught that on camera. Chris Bryant right there talking about the candy that he left out in left field for Kyle Schwarber. That was on Monday during the Cubs 7-3 win over John Lester and Washington, where you had the the Baez, Contreras, Hayward home runs, Kyle Schwarber with a bomb of his own against the Cubs, but it all worked out well. That was the first time, Anthony Heron, that I really missed. Like, I've always missed not seeing the fans in any of these venues throughout Mm. what we've all gone through. But that was the first time where I felt like, that needed the 40,000 at Wrigley Field. Like, I, I was not satisfied with the standing ovation that Schwarber got, the, the two that Lester got going out to the mound and then coming up to the plate. That would have been so much better with the full 40,000. Like, I was like, and, and this is not an indictment, obviously, of Cubs fans. 10,000 yeah. people can't generate that sort of emotion. But that was the first could. time I was like, like it, I mean, it, it Right, and it felt good and like to see those guys, and it was neat, and there were smiles, and they did get the standing O's, but God, it, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I don't know if you did or not, man, but like just just because of the crowd, like it, it just it's too bad. It was very different. It's one of those things where it, you know, you would have hoped it would have been a a really special moment, and you know, like we're saying here, I think that that people, that the fans in attendance sort of did what they could with the moment. They certainly showed the appreciation that was warranted. But you're, you're looking at 25% capacity. So, I mean, you know, when right. it jumps up yeah. to 60, then it, it would feel different in a special moment like that. And certainly once it's back to full capacity, it would feel different then. But, but for the moment, yeah, it, w- it felt more muted than you would want a moment of that, of that gravity, of that magnitude to feel like with key figures from – from the curse enders, from the World Series champs when they make their return to Wrigley. Yeah, I mean, and, and especially just in the context of where things are at with the squad right now, you know, like it's, it, I think even the, the current view of the Cubs squad, like we've been talking about throughout this hour, everything has the tinge of the end of that special period. The end of that World Series squad is just looming over everything with this year's squad. I, I mean, a lot of it has been looming probably for a couple of seasons now with the Cubs, really. But the fact that you don't have Lester or Schwarber here anymore, and they're both still competing at the major league level, just not here with the Cubs anymore. And so it is all this this sort of reminder of, of what was and what won't be anymore, at least for this, this current iteration 
of the team. Obviously, everyone expects the Cubs will be a force again at some point, but it's a it's a pretty big and obvious symbol of of the fact that that is now over. Whatever that was for that that last handful of years of the, the decade of the the teens, it's done. It's gone, and it's not yeah. coming back. It, and, and having them here shows. Yeah, them. yeah, and it, it was it did feel really good. But I, I will say that there was never a point where even with Kyle Schwarber having hit two home runs in the series, there was never a point where I was like, God, I, I really wish they were still here because mm-hmm. John Lester is not what John Lester was. He would fit in really nice with Zach Davies and, you know, all, all these guys who all throw the same velocity. Um, but I, it's it's not like I was longing for him, nor nor Schwarber. Like, it, symbolically, it, it does sting a little bit because of what was not that long ago. Um, but it, it's not like I long for them or, oh, God, they, they made a mistake by not bringing Schwarber back. I mean, they gave him every opportunity. And who knows? Maybe, maybe down the road, you know, somebody like Schwarber is back with the Cubs in some capacity. Who knows? But it, it certainly felt good. And then one other thing that we've been talking about the fans and the, the caller that we had a short while ago said, oh, you, you, know, you know, the fans will show up no matter what. And to some degree, that's probably true. You're always going to have a, a strong representing of Cubs fans, but Cubs fans have changed. They have changed since 2015. There is now, to go along with the good times at Wrigley Field, there's now also an expectation of winning. Like I think mm-hmm. the, the, the overall mindset of Cubs fans has changed for the better from going from a kind of a loser's, you know, one-hit wonder mentality to – yeah, our our team should win the World Series. Our team should win playoff series. So while I don't think they're going they're going to you know have fifteen twenty thousand fans there if they bottom out, I I do think that there is a different expectation from Cubs fans now that is for the better. So it's not it's not the same old Cubs fans. It's not the people who are just going to go no matter what. There there has to, there is a a different level to which I think Cubs fans have gone, and I think, uh, I think for the better. I'll be curious to see how that part plays out in the, in the seasons to come, like once everyone's allowed back, and if. Who knows what, what the end of 2021, who knows what 2022 is going to bring just from a, a success standpoint with the ball club because it, it does certainly. I mean, we saw it immediately in the reaction 2017, 2018, 2019 when the team itself was still excellent. But there was a concern, and, and rightfully so, that it didn't look like a World Series-level squad, and that turned out to be true. You know, it didn't even make it back to a World Series, let alone win one in any of those postseasons. But that expectation had been changed. That standard had been set for that, that young core that seemed like maybe there was going to be an Atlanta Braves-type run of multiple World Series appearances, or like the, we've seen the Yankees do multiple times in our lifetimes, that sort of thing. And that didn't materialize, but that expectation was there. You go through the rebuild to tear everything down, and the lovable losers turn into winners. And then from there, because everybody's still young and talented and gifted and hadn't really approached their ceilings yet, they're just kind of thinking, all right, we're going to see this year in and year out. And it didn't materialize, but that standard is now there for so many folks who have now witnessed it, witnessed something they never thought they would see again or never thought they would see ever, you know, for a lot of folks who weren't alive <laughs> before the curse yeah. ended. So I do think the fact that it's that it's now different, that 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 standard is now changed. I think it's a good thing, while at the same time, I'm not 100 percent convinced that 
that the event that is attending a Cubs game at Wrigley Field, I still think that carries enough heft and enough weight where that hasn't worn off yet. So I think, you know, through a, maybe through a couple of mediocre seasons, just the event factor, and especially now the newly refurbished event factor of just being out there in Wrigleyville for a Cubs game, I think that'll still carry a lot of weight for a while. But as far as just the the near future and, and the upcoming history of the Cubs, like I don't think necessarily folks will just allow that to be the new sustained standard where they can go back to being the lovable losers again because the standard has now changed. But I do think Wrigley, exactly. for the moment, is still enough of an event where it'll sustain that that joy and that desire to be there sort of regardless of success for the time being yeah you're never going to lose the tourists you're never going to leave the the one game a year for people coming from the burbs or from Mm. iowa or or wherever all right just got a couple minutes here left on the show so the the afternoon show on the score of parkins and spiegel i saw on twitter that those guys were heading out for dinner tonight. They were doing a show dinner. Okay. So that's Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel, Shane Rorden, Chris Tannehill. They're all out tonight. And I was just thinking about this, like, which just sounds, just sounds absolutely delightful. A, a, A show meal for those guys. But then I started thinking, I'm like, it's a beautiful night in the city. Those guys, they do the afternoon show, so they don't have to get up until like noon, right? I mean, they, what they, their me show started what two? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready if you are. I'm just—is this what you're leading up to? Hey, man, I prepare myself. Shot in the dark. You want shot in the dark? You want to do something sometime, <laughs> man? Put on my makeup and put my put my nice shoes on and get ready to meet up somewhere. I'm just trying to figure out where this is going here. You want to go see a movie or something, man? Yeah. <laughs> no. So I'm thinking it's a beautiful night. They don't have to get up early. Mm. Which one of those guys do you think is getting the most hammered tonight? Oh. Somebody's okay. getting They're getting drunk. Like, this is one of the, you know, like, back when I drank. Uh-huh. And you, you go out, and then all of a sudden, like, an innocent night goes crazy. And it's like, okay, I'll take another. Yeah, we'll take another picture. Then somebody buys shots, and then you're going to another bar. This is what I'm picturing. Like those guys had a great dinner. They probably they bought expensive mixed drinks and and did all. Mm. Probably put a nice buzz on during. And then right, and right. then I'm just. This is what I'm picturing that they're doing. They went to another bar and they're getting hammered. So which one of those guys is going to be in the worst shape tomorrow? I mean. Out of any of them, I suppose my assumption would be that even if Parkins isn't consuming mass quantities of alcohol, there's going to be other stuff he's consuming where there will be some sort of a high or buzz or both by the end of the night. So my, my most confident money would be on Parkins, you know, putting himself in harm's way as far as what he consumes. But I think, uh, I, I think he does that type of thing often enough where it may not have lasting ill effects on <laughs> right. it. So yeah, that, yeah he doesn't need amateur hour. Right. Yeah, like, and I, my impression yeah. is that Tanny keeps a, a low profile with some of that stuff. So I don't know that Tanny – he'd probably be the, <laughs> the lowest on the totem pole as far as if I was going to bet who's going to be in bad shape. He, he has legit yeah. work to do before the show too. He He's far too practical, and I don't think uh, he would waste his drunk on those guys. Yeah, he, there's yeah, something too practical right. and adult about Tanny, I think. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so yeah, I, I'm going to go – and, and you might have narrowed it down to, I'm going to say Matt Spiegel. And the reason I'm going to say Spiegel oh. is because, right, like he, like 
Parkins does have an infant, a really youngin, right? And <laughs> Spiegel probably got a babysitter. And let's face it, like Spiegel's back, man. This is this is kind of like the summer you, you of speed. Look at it as this is. Well, it's like a celebrate, like Matt Spiegel's back on the show. You know, it's the reunion with these two guys, and it's kind yeah. of that that time to really let yourself feel that. So I'm going to go, and, and Shane does it every night, right? So I'm just going to go, I'm going to say Matt Spiegel. Young, I'm not going to put my money on newly Spiegel. single, yeah. got a little money in his pocket because he got an office. Yeah, Shane gets it in all the time, so he's probably got a tolerance. I, right. I agree. That's a good call. It's going to be Spiegel. Spiegel's going to be in bad shape tomorrow. And I can't fill in on the afternoon. I'm, I'm working at 6 tomorrow night. So, um, and that's when you can next hear me. I'll be on for a whole 40 minutes. I'll be plan- starting the planning right after the show. Look Heron, you got to. anything planned uh, soon, like on air, on the score, or anything like that? Or are you day-to-day, my man? Uh, right now, I'm back on next Thursday. Uh, and other than that, yes. I do my Big Ten show every morning on uh, Big Ten Radio, Sirius XM Channel 370. Love it. It's been, hey, dude, I love working with you, man. It's been a pleasure. Agreed. Got to do this again. Yep. And that is Anthony Herron. Hob Arkish was on the show. Brandon Fryer did a wonderful job producing like he always does. I'm Mark Grody. I will talk to you tomorrow. CBS is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.